Hello everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the Mimiverse Monthly Audiocast. I am your host, writer and director Christopher R. Mim. Uh, chances are you know who I am, so I don't necessarily need to go into who I am and why you're listening. I'm guessing you've seen one or possibly all nine of my films, and that's why you're here. This audiocast, of course, is created specifically to talk about my films, the films of the Mimiverse, and, uh, you know, what's going on in the Mimiverse at large. So I will start by first saying thank you for listening. Thank you for joining me. I hope you checked out the inaugural edition of this podcast, this audio cast, as I'm calling it. Uh, this one will probably be somewhat short and sweet and to the point. Uh, granted, I'm not exactly known for being short and sweet and to the point, so I can't guarantee that it will be. I may ramble. I may go off on a tangent or for... It's kind of what I do. You know, I try really hard. I really do. I've, uh, over the years, I've tried to uh, hone my stories and, and reflections, and it just doesn't work. Uh, I mean, they've gotten better over time, but uh, generally, uh, those are the stories that I've told 400 times that you've probably heard before. Anyway, so let's start off here by saying that this is the December 2014 edition of the AudioCast. It's our second episode ever. And what's going on in the Mimiverse is this. Most of principal photography, and for those of you out there that don't know the term principal photography, uh, it's just when you're shooting a film, uh, there are a lot of steps in making that. Principal photography is the, the bulk of the shooting portion of the film. Usually you write a script, you do pre-production where you get everything together, get your cast and everything you need, and then you go into principal photography, and that's the bulk of actually shooting the movie. Uh, and then if you need to later, you come back and do some reshoots to pick up shots, stuff like that to, you know, fill in the blanks. If, if once you start editing it together, you realize, Hey, I need something here. I need something there. So where we are right now is that every scene that uh, we needed to shoot with the main cast and that being specifically, I mean, really the, the star of the film, the name, you know, is the name in the title Danny Johnson played by Elliot Mim yes uh, you've seen him before in other films such as Terror from Beneath the Earth and The Giant Spider Elliot finished up all of his stuff and the majority of the scenes involve him um, but principal photography itself is not 100% complete because the way that the story is structured is very much like The Princess Bride if you've ever seen that I'm hoping you have it's a great movie come on that story is told uh, as, a, as a grandfather comes to see his grandchild in who is sick in bed and he, he reads the book of the princess bride and then it flashes back and forth between the grandfather telling the story and the events of the book unfolding in the movie and danny johnson saves the world which is if you weren't aware the next film basically uh what's left to film are the scenes of a a much older Danny Johnson, played by Dear God No Jim Norgard, which you know why we call him Dear God No Jim Norgard. If you've seen any of the other films in which he appears, specifically uh, House of Ghosts, where he first said the line, Dear God No, uh, the giant spider, and uh, the wall people half of the late night double feature, in which he basically said that line in all three films uh, because he's the closest thing we've ever had to a character with a catchphrase. So he's playing a, a older Danny Johnson, who is telling the story to his grandkids uh, that then unfolds uh, with young Danny Johnson uh, going through this this cool 
adventure, which involves a cool robot and uh, aliens who look like uh, kind of Muppety. Uh, <laughs> we're doing puppets, and it's very cool. And in fact, here's the funny thing is, is that I can say that, you know, the bulk of principal photography is done and that Elliot is done, but he's not really. Um, because, uh, and I announced this recently on Facebook, this is the first film as I uh, have been, we've been shooting it since mm, June, I believe. The script was finished, I believe, in the very beginning of May. And we started shooting in June. And we just, in November, finished up all the scenes with, with Danny Johnson. As I've been editing it together, I'm very, very happy with how the things are turning out. So much so that I'm actually thinking to myself, you know what? I think this needs more. I think this needs more fun stuff. More action. More, more puppets. And so... I, you know, step back from the production, step back from the script and step back from the, the movie as it's coming together and thought to myself, you know what this movie really needs, a puppet sword fight. So spoiler, spoilers, there may be a puppet sword fight in this film, but I haven't decided. I wrote a scene, an extra, an extra scene. This is the first time I've ever done this where I actually, I've rewritten scenes that maybe didn't quite work best example of that being cave women on mars there's a scene with the high priestess which originally ran on too long and was way too wordy and too expositiony and i thought you know this might be better just to make this story a lot simpler and more straightforward and just go from there but uh, this is the first time i've actually said to myself you know what i love how much this is coming together so much i just want to add more to it and there's room in it i mean it's not it's not a particularly super long movie so it's not one of those things where it's going to make it go from a already too long movie to a really, really too long movie. At present, I think if I add nothing to it and you put on the credit sequences at the beginning and the end, edit it all together, I think the film itself will be about 75 minutes. The stuff I want to add will add probably at best about two more minutes onto it. So it'll still be less than 80 minutes. But I'm just very, very happy with how it's turning out to the point that I just want more of it. And I think it, it calls for just something really fun and exciting, including the possibility of a sword fight. If that happens, we, I guess you'll find out next May when we release this film, but we shall see. So if nothing else, if we didn't film any more of, of the Danny Johnson scenes, the film would be fine as is. I just need to get the, the sort of wraparound scenes, the, the bookends as it were of the uh, older Danny Johnson telling the story to the grandkids. I need to get that done. And that's scheduled to be shot over the next couple weeks. So once that part is done, technically the film could be finished with what I have and released as is. Ideally, I would like to add this extra scene or two just to add a little more fun to it. So we basically finished most of the principal photography of Danny Johnson and hopefully everything goes swimmingly and we get it all done by the end of the year. I think we'll be sitting real pretty if we can do that. A good chunk, probably over 30 minutes of the finished film, and mind you, this film is probably going to be about 75 minutes long, over 30 minutes of the movie is already done and edited. And some of that is just waiting for special effects to be added. So there's more there than that 30-some minutes that are complete. Um, if you look at my filmography, uh, you can see that with each film, I wanted to do something a little different. I started off with a 
lake monster movie. Uh, and I started off that way because I thought at the time when I made the monster of Phantom Lake, which if you have not seen it, is definitely worth your time. And still considered by many to be my best. Jokingly, I've, I've, I've told people that I feel like I've been, quote unquote, chasing that dragon ever since it's been released. And sometimes I get close and sometimes not so much. But people still love that movie. But when I made that film, I figured at the time that I would only make one. There'd only be one movie. One, there'd be no Mimiverse. There would be the monster of Phantom Lake and that's it. And that was okay. I was excited by the thought of just being able to make a movie because truth be told, I always wanted to make a movie. And the fact that I finished one to me was a huge, in my mind, a huge accomplishment for whatever it was. Yeah, it wasn't a big budget Hollywood film, but I made a movie and I was very excited for people to see it. When it got the reaction it did, uh, that kind of solidified in my mind that maybe I should do this more than once. <laughs> and that turned into it came from another world, gave away on Mars, et cetera, et cetera. And now downwards toward Danny Johnson. So with that first film, I made a lake monster movie because I figured as a, as a guy from Minnesota, there are a few lakes in Minnesota, as you may have heard or know. And I figured if I was going to make a monster movie, I, I should probably do something that involved a lake. And then oddly enough, I set the movie in Wisconsin. So don't ask. Then moving forward, I started thinking as I was making these films that I wanted to do something different with each one while staying somewhat in my comfort zone. Somewhat. Sometimes pushing out of it. If you've seen The Wall People, you know what I mean. But finding a trope, some sort of thing from the 50s movies, that, that era, and doing my version of it. And that's how you get... It came from the world to me was sort of a bit of a Red Scare movie to a certain extent. Cave Went on Mars uh, was based on the idea of... Well, it originally started as just a title, but it, it was based on the idea, the sort of 50s trope of... You had this all-female society which, you know, needed the love of a strong, red-blooded American man to survive and understand love and life. And there was so much of that back in the 50s. Cat Women of the Moon is a good example that I really wanted to... I figured I, I should do one of those. And that's where Cave Women came from. Tear From Beneath the Earth was actually just kind of of all my films, probably the one I was just like, I want to make another monster movie. So I did. Destination Outer Space, it's my sci-fi epic. It's my This Island Earth. It's, the, it's my forbidden planet. For better or for worse, it is what it is. I will never actually say out loud or even believe in my heart that it ranks with Forbidden Planet. But it's entertaining for what it is. Attacking the Moon Zombies, which came after Destination Outer Space, was my film that I wanted to do... Well, I wanted to do a zombie movie. But I didn't want to do a zombie movie the way everyone else was doing a zombie movie. Plus, I figured, you know what? Killer Plant movie, a la The Thing, the original The Thing from Another World, or even Day of the Triffids. I was like, yeah, what about a, a killer space plant movie mixed with a zombie movie? That would work. So that's how you end up with Attack of the Moon Zombies. House of Ghosts is pretty straightforward. I... I I hadn't done any supernatural horror films, and I hadn't done anything, you know, William Castle-esque, so that seemed about right, right? The Giant Spider, well, Giant Bug movie. I actually recently, on my wall, I have a, in my office area of my home, I have a bunch of movie-related things on my wall. Some, some fan art people have sent me some posters from each of my films. 
I like to take photos of marquees that have the, uh, the title of my films on them. And I have at least one from every film. Plus I framed the first article ever written about my films or one of them. And it was written in, I don't remember the name of the paper. It's, it's the McGuanago, McGuanago, Wisconsin, where the monster family takes place. Their local paper. We did a screening there in McGuanago and they did a, a story uh, about the film and about us is it's a great article and of course being so excited and new to it i just I, I had to cut it out and frame it and i recently I've, I've had it on my wall for probably seven years eight years and i was looking at it recently reading through it again because i hadn't looked at it in a long long time there's a quote in there the interviewer asked me if there was other films I was looking to do other things I was like looking to try as far as subject matter for future films. And I said specifically, I think I would love to do a giant spider movie. So I think that's kind of awesome that it took me eight years or seven films after the, the monster Phantom Lake to make it, but I eventually did. And to this day, I think the general consensus is, is, has become that the giant spider is now the best Mimiverse film. Now that's debatable. And I think that people, everyone obviously has their own ideas of what's the best, what's the worst, what's, what's so, so, and what's great. And what's, you know, what have you, uh, it's all a matter of opinion. And I love anybody who loves my movies. Let's just say that the giant spider seems to be the one that has gotten the most attention and has gotten the most consistent good reviews and still has gotten more screenings i think in events than any other next to the monster fam lake but then again i think in the you know the giant spider was released in 2013 in uh, may of 2013 and in the year and a half since that was released i think it's probably had as many screenings and events across the world that the monster phantom lake has since it was released in 2006 so i think they're pretty well tied, but the giant spider reached th that same point much, much faster. Then of course you have the late night double feature, which I just wanted to do a double feature because that's very fifties. I wanted to ape that. I wanted to create my own double feature, uh, whether or not that film is successful. Only time will tell as of now it's been doing great. Although if you're out there listening, I, I think the late night double feature maybe needs a little more, more love. If you uh, know of somebody or a theater or a theater owner or something near you, perhaps you can help us out by getting a, getting a screening put together. I think that would be, that'd be fantastic. I think it, to a certain extent, has been living in the shadow of its older brother, the giant spider. I would like for it to get a little more attention. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Uh, it is what it is. But, you know, if you're out there and, and you know someone who might want to show a movie perhaps somewhere, let me know and maybe talk to them about perhaps doing a screening of the late night double feature. Anyway, moving forward, I, I, I think I should take this opportunity and remind you guys, listeners out there, that it is December. Therefore, the holidays are coming up very, very quickly. And I want you for a second to imagine it's, it's that holiday morning, whatever holiday you celebrate, the gift-giving holiday you may particularly celebrate. And, and 
someone you love or care about deeply, or maybe are just good friends with, but you know that they really like cheesy old 50s films, this, this person in your life, imagine that person on that gift-giving holiday, right? That morning, that evening, whenever you get together with that person. And imagine yourself with them as you give them this beautiful package that you give them. They, they hold it and they think, oh, this feels interesting. Okay, I think I maybe know what this is. I, it feels familiar, the shape. And imagine you are sitting there watching them as they unwrap this gift. And as they pull that paper away, they see the films of Christopher R. Mim. And for a second, they're like, what is this? <laughs> what? What? And then they go, oh my God, these are cheesy old movies I've never seen. And you see the joy and excitement on their face. And they're like, oh my God, I've never seen these films. I thought I'd seen them all. I love cheesy old movies, and I thought I owned them all. And that's when you realize that you've just given them the coolest, most unique gift of anyone else in your family or circle of friends. You've given them that, that excitement of, of discovery of something new they have never experienced before. Or perhaps they're just a really big fan and they never owned them because they always borrowed your copies and they never ever gave them back. And now you're like, hey, there you go, there's your own, I'll give you mine back. Imagine, uh, if you will, the look of joy and excitement on their face when they open that package and they see the films. They see Cave Women on Mars and they say, oh my God, this is the coolest title. <gasps> the Giant Spider, I love giant bug movies. Imagine that. Picture that in your head. And then, listeners, then, because of course they got at least like three movies, right? Because, and this is important to note, that we are offering a special deal on SaintEuphoria.com right now, and it'll be up soon if it's not there now, uh, for the month of December, where you can buy three for $25. Three DVDs for 25 bucks. It's a great deal. So they have these three DVDs, right? And they're paging through, and they say, oh my god, the monster fan. I'm like, I've never heard of this. This looks great. And you say to them, oh, I've seen it. It's fantastic. It's a great movie. I know you love cheesy old movies. You're going to love this, I promise. And they go to the next one. They're, oh my god. The Giant Spider, this is so great. I love big bug movies. And you're like, I know, I know. And then they're still, you know, you got to imagine this is a stack, right? So they're going through the stack. The first one, they move out of the way so they can see the next one. They move the Giant Spider aside and they see an envelope on top of another DVD. And they sort of take the envelope in their hand and they move it aside and they sort of look at it like, hmm. Huh. And then they see other movies and they say, oh my God, the late night double feature. This looks so cool. The wall people, that sounds creepy. And of course, they want to watch it. And of course, this is what you do on that gift-giving holiday evening after you've had your giant meals. You also watch them one after the next, and you have a great time. Watch them with the subtitles on. If you've never watched one of my films with the subtitles on, watch them with the subtitles on. Anyway, so in their hand, they have this envelope, and they say, oh my God, what, what's with the envelope? What is this? And you just look at them. You give them that look like, open it. You will not be disappointed. And they give you a look back like, what have you done? And you think to yourself, if you could read my mind, you would know exactly what I've done. But until you open that envelope, you will not know. So they look at you suspiciously, sly smile, because they know that they're super happy with these cool movies that they've never seen. Or maybe they have, and they're just really happy to finally get their own copies. And they take that envelope and they open it. And inside is a letter, trifold, you know. 
and they open it up and they start reading and they're like, dear whatever this person's name is, thank you for contributing to my film, Danny Johnson Saves the World. And they look at you like, well, I didn't give you, oh wait, you did this for, okay, it's a gift, I get it, okay, cool. They continue to read and they learn in this letter that you, the coolest gift giver they know, has contributed money to the production and completion of Danny Johnson Saves the World, and because you have done this in their name, their name will be seen in the end credits of that film. And they'll be able to go to the world premiere, be sitting in that movie theater with right next to you. And as, as the film ends and the cheering begins, they will see their name on the credits. Just imagine looking over at that, that person you care for so deeply, having that experience for the first time in their life of seeing their name in the credits of a real movie. How often do, do people get to experience that? Not often, especially for as little as $25. I mean, come on. The joy they will experience because you are such a great friend slash loved one slash son, daughter, father, mother, something to this person. Imagine the joy they will feel because you gave them the most unique gift. You'll be, you'll be the coolest person around and they'll tell that story to everyone. Do you know what I got for this insert gift giving holiday here? I got my name at the end credits of a movie and we're going to go see that movie and it will be forever part of that movie. Forever part of that movie. Literally. Forever. As long as that movie exists in some form. Your name, your loved one's name, heck, your dog's name, your business name, whatever, will live forever at the end of that film. You will be listed on the Internet Movie Database. The IMDb. The crown jewel of any amateur semi-professional, and even professional actors and filmmakers is to get your, your credit on the IMDb and you and your loved one, your loved one could have one, or your name, whatever you choose for your contribution. So that was a long story. <laughs> Probably pretty ridiculous. And I'm sure anyone out there listening that kind of knows me is just rolling your eyes with <laughs> as you listen to me talk about this, but I want you honestly, honestly, to imagine for a moment you giving this very, very unique gift to your loved one. It's a movie, a real movie, a movie that will be seen in theaters, that will live forever on home video, will be seen by thousands of people. Your name, your loved one's name, whatever you choose for a very, very small donation. And in addition to that name, you will get either, and this is your choice, a DVD of the film once it's complete, or a ticket to the world premiere, and you can pre-order uh, either or at the same time as when you contribute for a slightly, you know, 10 bucks each. And the person or yourself or whatever name will receive a really cool certificate that signifies that they are, are part of this. It will have their name on it. I will sign it. It will be official. You can get a nice frame for it, put it on your wall. 
so that you always know and it'll be your little your cool unique memento. There are no knockoffs of these things. They are what they are. And they only exist if you have contributed to one of my films. And Lord knows how many more films I'm gonna make. I you know, I've talked about taking a year off after f- completing this film. But there's no guarantee I actually will. <laughs> Because if anyone out there who's listening knows me, those folks that I mentioned who are completely and utterly rolling your eyes uh, at, at, as I tell this story, I may make another film next year, may make two films, three films, who knows? But this may be the last. You never know. This may be your last chance to be part of this grand universe we call the Mimiverse. So now that I've done that, I think I should probably tell you how to contribute. Please go to my, my official website at sainteuphoria.com, S-A-I-N-T-E-U-P-H-O-R-I-A.com. And from there, on the top navigation, there is a tab for merchandise. The first thing that comes up under merchandise is contribute to the next movie. If you click on that, you will be taken to a, a place where you can complete the process. Also, if St. Euphoria is too hard to remember or spell, uh, I know some people, it's, it's a little bit of a weird word. Uh, if you just go to, and this is one I always tell people because it's super easy to remember, thegiantspider.com. That'll take you to the Giant Spider page within my website. And again, under merchandise at the top, click on contribute to the next movie, and it'll take you right there. Also, if you click on merchandise, you will have at your fingertips the ability to purchase tons of cool Mimiverse stuff, which you can give for gifts at your gift-giving holiday that's coming up here, or, you know, just to add to your own collection. And again, we're going to have some pretty cool deals coming up here. Also, I would like to take this opportunity, because it is the holiday show, to talk about, you know, in addition, obviously, to the DVDs and the posters that are there, and the lobby cards, of which we used to have uh, Attack of the Moon Zombies lobby cards. They're gone. They've been bought. We used to have uh, the Giant Spider lobby cards. They're gone. They're gone. We sold them all. Right now, we have a late-night double feature lobby card set. Now, lobby cards are a cool uh, form of old movie advertising. They were like little, kind of like a set of posters. Right now, we have a set for the late-night double feature, but we're running out because they're, they're printed in very, very limited runs because they're, you know, they're supposed to be cool niche collectibles. So maybe grab those while they still last because they ain't going to last much longer. The other thing I want to talk about is that we currently have some other cool collectibles like uh, the Phantom Lake Paddle Girls trading cards. We have the plushies of the Mimiverse monsters and we've been told that at some point we'll be, we will be adding some plushies from the monsters from the late nightable feature so stay tuned for that. The other thing, uh, we have these cool Phantom Lake Paddle Girls signed mini paddles of which there were only ever four ever made and they were signed by all four actors that were in the giant spider playing the paddle girls. We've already sold two of them, so there's only two left. So I would say check those out while you get a chance. Uh, the other thing, we have this new feature, and it's the Mimiverse Art Gallery. Mimiverse inspired art made by different artists. One is a is sort of a is a cool digital drawing of the Angel of Death from House of Ghosts. Another one was a, is a great pencil drawing of a moon zombie. And right now we're offering prints of these pieces of art and they're not going to last forever they're they're just 
on-demand prints as if you, if you want to add something cool to your Mimiverse collection, there's some really good stuff and we're going to be expanding that. I also want to say if you're an artist, a visual artist of some kind that would like to create a piece of art that we can print and sell on the website for you, please do contact me, chris at sainteuphoria.com. Let me know what you have, what you would like to sell. Here's the deal. If you create a piece of Mimiverse-inspired art and it is deemed worthy of being a part of our art gallery, we will sell it for you. We will print it for you. We will ship it for you. And anything left over after we take out printing and take out shipping, whatever's left over, we will give to you. We won't keep a dime of it. It will be yours. So we'll take whatever you got. We'll print it out for you. If someone orders it, we'll print it, we'll ship it, and then whatever's left, we'll send it to you. That's a pretty good deal. We got some really good stuff. Really good stuff. Be creative. Do something with, with one of the monsters. Maybe create a, create a faux movie poster. Whatever you'd like to do. We're okay with it. And again, you just have to meet our uh, go, go through our approval process. And if you're approved... We'll sell your stuff for you, and you'll keep the money for whatever you sell. So then again, right there, if you have a piece of art, and we approve it, and we put it in our gallery, and we put it up for sale, we will, we'll go out, and I'm, I'm selling it. I'm trying, you know, every chance I get to tell people about it and get them to come check it out. But you can also then go through and, and push it, too, and maybe get some of your friends and family to, to pick up some of your art. And it's not going to cost you a thing. In fact, you may even make some money, and that's, that's the best part. All right, so I will stop talking about the Mimiverse for a second. And as we did last time, we had Derek Cook of Monster Kid Radio, which is a great podcast if you're a fan of cheesy old movies, which I'm guessing you probably are if you're here listening to me. And Derek put together for us a cool little movie recommendation. So I'm going to turn it over right now to Derek Cook, who has a great suggestion for a great film you guys should check out. I'll be back when it's over. When I'm not checking out the latest updates at SaintEuphoria.com or watching one of the movies directed by Christopher Armim, I'm producing my own show, Monster Kid Radio, where we celebrate the classics and sometimes not-so-classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I'm Derek M. Cook, and I love classic monster movies, and that's why I love the movies of Christopher R. Mim. He draws his inspiration from a lot of these classic monster movies, these classic horror and sci-fi films from the 50s, and I can't help but notice possible inspirations from some of these classic movies from our monster movie past. For example, in 2011, Mim released Attack of the Moon Zombies. It's not my absolute favorite, but it's near the very top, and part of that's because of the characterizations. I'm a big fan of strong women in genre cinema, and I really enjoyed Sid Corpy's performance as Administrator Ripley. I really like that she's a strong woman character, a strong female in a traditionally male environment, at least traditionally, if you consider monster movies from the 50s being traditional. She holds her own, not necessarily against, because there's really not a lot of animosity, but she holds her own with people like Dr. Edwards, Dr. Collins, and so on. Now, to find these strong female characters in some of the more classic monster movies, it's a little bit more difficult, because back then, well, 
for better or worse, it was a man's game. So when there is a film that does feature an unapologetically strong female character, I get really excited. Like in 1944's The Return of the Vampire, starring Bela Lugosi. Vampire, 1944, Attack of the Moon Zombies, really kind of riffing on that 50s thing. One's a science fiction movie, one is a vampire film. The themes of the films are not related in any way. However, The Return of the Vampire has a very strong female character in it as well, in the form of Lady Jane Ainsley, played by Frida Inescourt. And I really really liked her. She is the strong female presence who's doing battle with Bela Lugosi's vampire character. It's fascinating to see this movie pop up in 1944 when, you know, we're in the era of, well, women who don't have the authoritative role like this. So it's fascinating to me to see this film. And then I go and I look at a character like Administrator Ripley in Attack of the Moon Zombies. Again, the trappings are different. One's sci-fi, one's a vampire movie, but you still have this strong, authoritative type person who just happens to be a woman. And I really enjoyed that. So can I join these two movies together? Do I think it might be an interesting double feature? Well, if you get over the vampire versus sci-fi thing, yeah, I think you could make a compelling double feature with these two films. I think Administrator Ripley is a wonderful character, and of course, she's surrounded by a great cast, just like Inus Court in Return of the Vampire. She's surrounded by a great cast. So there you go. That would be my recommendation this time around. You can find me on my home podcast, Monster Kid Radio, at monsterkidradio.net. We release two episodes a week, every Tuesday and Thursday, and we talk about nothing but these types of movies. The movies that we love so much from this era, from the 30s through the 60s, with occasional toe-dipping outside of that time period for some films that might throw back to this era, like the movies of Christopher R. Mem. This has been Monster Kid Movies with Monster Kid Radio's Derek M. Cook. Talk to you next time. Thank you, Derek, for that. Uh, always fantastic to hear from you. Uh, and I'm definitely going to check out the movie. I've seen it, but I'm going to see it again just because you suggested it. So last month, I uh, did a little reading from uh, this great author named Steve Sullivan, who's a huge supporter of the films and, and a great writer. Um, and I, I read one of his Canoe Cops stories that he created, and the reaction was quite positive. And I want to thank... Steve, again, for letting me read that story. This month, uh, I do not have another story to read to you. Instead, I'm just going to spend these last couple minutes talking a little bit about a subject that is, I think, important this time of year, and all year it should be, but it's, it's definitely one of those things that comes up more because it is the season that it is. And the subject I'd like to discuss is gratitude. Gratitude 
as defined by the dictionary, is the state of being grateful or thankfulness. Thankfulness is one of those things that people don't often express enough, and I will be the first to admit that I am probably one of the most guilty of that. Pride can cloud your judgment at times. So, because it is the season that it is, I figured I would take this opportunity to show a little gratitude. I realize that I am a man who is lucky to be able to do what it is I do, and to have people like you who will give me the time of day to listen to me talk and try and sound self-important. So I want to say to all the people out there who are listening, and all the folks who aren't, and maybe never will, and the folks that once listened and never will again, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for all the time out of your life that you may have given me and my, my films. I want to thank you f specifically for the support, be it emotional, financial, whatever. I want to thank you specifically for that support that has allowed me to continue to do this. In the grand scheme, sometimes I, I step back and I ask myself, you know, in the grand scheme, is this, is what I do important? In the grand scheme, maybe not. Making cheesy, fun little movies maybe isn't so important. I'm not saving people's lives. I'm not discovering the cure for cancer. If anything, I'm simply trying to create something a little fun. At its most basic, all I want to do is entertain. And w whatever value you assign to entertainment, all I really, really want to do is make movies and entertain people. One of the things I enjoy most is going to events and not watching my films, because I've seen them four million times each. I want to go and watch people watch my movies and ideally enjoy their reactions. I was recently at a film festival in Michigan. The Sideshow Freak Flick Film Festival, put on by uh, Roger Schultz, who's a great guy and a fellow filmmaker. And this was a group of people in Grand Rapids, Michigan, most of whom had never seen one of my films. And we watched The Giant Spider, and I found myself at times getting a little misty-eyed as these people were soaking it up, laughing their butts off, having fun, cheering when the spider is defeated. Spoiler, if you haven't seen it, the spider doesn't, you know, eat everybody. And I realized that, to me, that's, that's why I do this. That's why I continue to do it. It's why I enjoy it so much, is because I enjoy watching people be entertained and knowing selfishly that something I created was responsible for that. And again, in the grand scheme, maybe that's, that's not the cure for cancer, but for at least 70 some odd minutes, that group of people had a little fun and that's, that's important too, to a certain extent, right? But not to get too far away from the point. For me, that's why 
I like making movies. I greatly enjoy entertaining. And it is with the utmost of gratitude that I say to everybody who has ever helped me in some way, whatever capacity that was, thank you for allowing me to do this all these years. I have greatly enjoyed it, and I would really like to continue. And I hope I can. Thank you for everyone who has helped and has made this possible. That's you, dear listeners, and the friends and family out there who have put up with me and my despotic personality when it comes to my films. For all the friends that I have now and the ones that I have let go and for the ones I haven't met yet, thank you. Have a happy holiday season. And I leave you with a bad joke, but I'm not going to tell it. I'm going to let my friend Dr. Bob Tesla of Midnight Monster Movies with Dr. Bob, this great screening series that takes place in Columbus that you should go check out if you live near the area. He's going to tell it, and it's a good one. Thank you for listening. Happy holidays, everybody. <laughs> I am Dr. Bob Tesla, the host of Midnight Monster Movies with Dr. Bob at the Gateway Film Center in Columbus, Ohio, and this is your monthly joke. Sherlock Holmes and Watson were on a case deep in the forest, and it got late, so they needed to turn in. A few hours later, Sherlock wakes up Watson and says, Watson, look up. Tell me what you can deduce. Watson looks up and says, well, it... I can tell by the moon that it's a clear night, but I can see some clouds coming in, so there might be rain in the morning? Is that what I'm supposed to think of? Sherlock looks at Watson and says, Watson, you idiot, someone has stolen our tent. Come out to see our show, Plan 9 from Outer Space, on December 13th. <laughs>